Nettie Evans wasn't one to complain. She got up each morning, put the kettle on for coffee, set breakfast out for her cats, and shuffled outside in her slippers to get the newspaper. She might be 73 years old with arthritis in the knees. She might be a little short of hearing, but overall, nothing to complain about. Her husband had left her nigh on 16 years ago, and since then, well, she had celebrated each year of his passing with a new cat. Nettie Evans wasn't one to complain, but when she shuffled outside of her house on October 10th, 1923, to pick up the morning news, she found herself face to face with a cat. Her cat, to be precise, her favorite cat. And this cat, it was dead. After getting over her shock, Nettie bent over Snuffles to look at him closer. Without going into too much detail, it was clear that Snuffles had been shot and Nettie had found something to complain about. She turned around and shuffled back into her house, these damn knees slowing her down. She picked up the phone and dialed Yvette, her best friend. As usual, Yvette's phone rang numerous times without an answer. Nettie checked the clock. It was just about this time that Yvette always went to the cheesemaker's shop. She sighed in frustration. Now, who would she call? The police? She folded onto the nearest armchair, her legs trembling. She couldn't go to the police. Not after her husband's death. They'd reopen the case, and that was the last thing Nettie wanted. She sighed, wishing Yvette would just answer the phone. Meanwhile, Yvette was on her way to the cheese shop. She had just run out of her Camber Bay, a creamy cheese that she and Nettie were particularly fond of. Everyone knew the Fishers made the best cheese. They had even won an award a few years back. Best cheese in the county, in the state. Yvette couldn't remember. All she knew was that it was damn good cheese. Humming to herself, Yvette turned a corner and saw a book on the side of the path. Stooping slightly to peer at its cover, she read, Simmons' Guide to Cat Behavior. Yvette heard running feet. She looked up as Hester Campbell, the pastor's daughter, came careening around the corner. The girl's hair was wild and she had a smile stretching across her face. When she saw Yvette, she stopped, her smile faltering. Oh, hello, Miss Ellis, said Hester. She remembered the curtsy at the last minute, her cheeks turning pink. Miss Campbell, Yvette replied, nodding her head. Hester started to move past her and then caught sight of the book. That book, Hester exclaimed. Did Daniel drop it? Excuse me, Yvette asked. Oh, Hester said, her face turning from pink to red. I meant Mr. Cole, the, the man with the chickens. I... I, I saw him check this book at, at the library, but he must have returned it or, or dropped it or... She trailed off, looking awkward and mildly desperate. Yvette looked down at the book. Very well. Mr. Cole lived right next to the cheese shop. I'll go there on my way and return his book. As she bent down to pick up the book, she noticed that the corner was stained with a dark smudge. She paused, just for a second, and then picked it up and straightened. She nodded to Hester. Good day, Miss Campbell. Yvette moved past, ignoring the look of embarrassment flooding Hester's features. Daniel Cole's house was indeed right next to the cheese shop. She surveyed his yard with distaste, chickens running every which way, a garden that was filled with more weeds than vegetables, broken down farm equipment laying haphazardly in the grass. She stepped through the gate and picked her way across the yard to the front door. Assuming her sternest face, Yvette knocked on the door. She heard a grunt from inside, and Daniel Cole's voice rang out. I'll tell you once, I'll tell you again. I didn't do nothing. 
Daniel yanked the door open and stood scowling at her. Yvette took an involuntary step backward. There was a loud brack, and before she knew what had happened, Yvette found herself sprawled on Daniel Cole's dooryard, a horrible pain radiating from her ankle. A disgruntled chicken scurried away from her, clucking its disapproval. "'Good Lord! Are you all right?' called a voice from behind her. Before she could see who it was, strong hands were lifting her up. She caught a glimpse of the man's face before the pain caused her to faint. Herbert Watson, the local policeman, sagged under her weight. "'Come on, man! Give me a hand!' he yelled at Daniel Cole, who was skulking in the doorway. Daniel moved closer, reluctant. He didn't want to get too close to Sergeant Watson. There was a chance he'd smell the alcohol on his breath, and he most definitely did not want Sergeant Watson bringing this lady, who was it, Ellis, into his house when there was some evidence of, well, things he didn't want Watson to see. A cry of alarm came from the neighbor's yard. Hattie Fisher, the cheesemaker, had just finished milking the goats, and on her way back from the barn had looked up to see Sergeant Watson stagger under the weight of old dear Miss Ellis. She put her pail of milk down and came swiftly over. Is she all right? What happened? Hattie asked, quickly taking the other shoulder of Miss Ellis. This, Daniel thought, he could answer. She was snooping around, eh? She was at my door, and I think I startled her. She tripped over Nora there, he said, pointed to the disgruntled chicken. Enough! Sergeant Watson barked. He wasn't as strong as he used to be, and Miss Ellis wasn't exactly a feather. Do you have a couch? Quick, we'll lay her down. He took a step in the direction of Daniel's door. Daniel quickly shut it. I'm afraid I don't have a couch, officer, he said. Perhaps Miss Fisher would be so kind? Of course, Hattie said impatiently. She had never liked Daniel Cole. Even though his chickens were free-range, their feathers looked awful patchy. She didn't think he was feeding them well enough. And she knew, as well as everyone, why he didn't want Sergeant Watson in his house. It was his illegal brewing. Everyone in Whiffleton knew all about it. Together, Hattie and Sergeant Watson carried Yvette over to Hattie's yard. Hattie called out in a loud voice, August, August, I need you! Sergeant Watson marveled at this woman, who seemed not to be struggling one bit under Yvette's weight, and whose voice was clear and strong, not like many of the women he knew. The Fishers were known to be a self-sufficient, hard-working couple, strongly opinionated about anything related to animals, but he supposed that was no fault of theirs, just a quirk. August Fisher appeared in the doorway of the creamery. He was still chewing his grilled cheese sandwich. How he could eat cheese first thing in the morning eluded Sergeant Watson. August, quick! Mrs. Ellis hurt her ankle and fainted. Open the door and clear the couch of the cheesecloth. We'll set her down there. Meanwhile, back at Daniel Cole's place... The chicken had found the book Simon's Guide to Cat Behavior. It had fallen from Yvette's grasp as soon as she fell. The chicken clucked at it. It didn't look very edible. When Daniel saw what the chicken was clucking at, his face grew pale. He hastily picked the book up just as Otto Garcia rounded the corner. Mr. Garcia, Daniel called, holding the book behind his back. How are you doing today, sir? Otto Garcia, bred on fine manners, tipped his hat as he nodded his greeting to Daniel. His eyes might be a little red, he might be seeing double of the young brewer, but boy, Mr. Otto Garcia wasn't about to discard manners in the face of a little inebriation. He stopped, swaying slightly. Mr. Daniel Cole, Otto said, drawing out the ol on Cole. He smiled. He was quite the wit, really, when it came down to it. I have a proposition for you, fine sir. I am throwing a priority. 
He threw his arms out wide, embracing the world with his joviality. My wife Hazel, he exclaimed. She has a wonderful idea for a, for a, a party, and you know what parties entail. Here he winked in Daniel's direction, although he wasn't sure if he was really winking at Daniel or if he was winking at Daniel's double, which he knew was just his mind playing tricks on him. He shut his eyes tightly, trying to focus. Daniel shifted, looking over at his neighbor's house. This, he thought, would not be a good time for the Sergeant Watson to come out of the house. Just then, Hester Campbell ran back around the corner. Daniel caught her eye, aghast. What was she doing here? They had an agreement not to see each other during the day if they could help it. Not that he didn't think about her. He thought about her constantly. Her hair, her smile, her skin, the way she curled up into him while they slept, her smell. She had just left his place about a half hour previously, later than she had ever dared before. They had spent the whole night talking, dreaming, and brewing whiskey, a special kind of whiskey. His fingers tightened around the book behind his back. Who are you? Otto Garcia drawled, looking at Hester. He had completely forgotten that he had met her last Sunday during church. Hester's father, Leslie, was the pastor and had droned on and on about the sins of mankind. Otto and his wife, Hazel, had been there purely for appearance's sake. Hester had been sitting next to them with Pearl, her mother, and they had greeted each other cordially. Pearl had even complimented Hazel's outfit, saying that she should be on the stage. But seeing as the stage was not a very honorable profession, and even if it were glamorous, and seeing as it were coming from the pastor's wife's mouth, Hazel Garcia had only smiled coldly and turned away before anything else could be said. I'm Hester Campbell, Hester said confidently, reaching out her hand to shake Otto's. I'm Daniel's business partner. Otto turned the proffered hand and shook it. Daniel Cole blinked. Meanwhile, across town at Diggy's five-star motel, Dewey D. stirred. The light coming in from the curtains was too much, and his mouth was uncomfortably dry. He licked his lips. A throbbing headache was quickly making itself apparent. Just then, the door to his motel room burst open. He lurched up, only to see Opal standing in the doorway, glowering at him. He groaned and slouched back into his bed. "'Lazy bones!' Opal chided, striding into the room and yanking the curtains open. Sunlight flooded the dirty motel room, glinting off the empty whiskey bottle on the table. We have work to do! Music to play, songs to write! Get up! Dewey threw his arm around his face, trying to block the sunlight. Opal left his room, presumably to wake the others in the band. Sure enough, he soon heard her banging on Sterling and Dell's doors. Dewey muttered incoherently, turning his face into his pillow. When Opal burst into Dell's door, she wasn't expecting him to be there. He never was around anymore disappearing at odd times, skipping entire concerts. She was losing all faith in him, honestly. She wasn't expecting him to be there. Nor was she expecting what she saw when she burst through his door. She stopped and breathed in sharply. Del Brooks lay in the middle of the room, a dark puddle of blood surrounding him. There were footprints leading away from his body, bloody footprints that led right to the window and disappeared. Opal grabbed the collar of her shirt, bunching it up in agitation. She then let out a scream, piercing the eardrums of all who heard it. The footprints? They were from a cat.